0: to step foot in every one of South Carolina's 46 counties. South Carolina gubernatorial candidate Joe Cunningham says his unorthodox campaign style earned him the seat as the U.S. representative for the first congressional district for a single term 2019 to 2021. The lawyer and engineer says he's on a path to convince people in South Carolina that voting for an everyday Joe is good for the state.
1: left the uh, Krispy Kreme in Spartanburg and we're heading over to Greenville now, so. so. We're covering some ground.
0: So I have to ask you, you were at Krispy Kreme. Did you indulge?
1: I did. <laughs> can't, yeah, you can't not.
0: The race for governor is becoming more crowded. Joe, why did you decide to run?
1: The short answer is, you go where you need it. You know, and I jumped into uh, politics back in 2017, after I saw that there was one party control in D.C. Republicans had control of the House and the Senate. Trump had been elected. And I knew that we had to have checks and balances. Um, and so we jumped into a race that nobody gave us a chance of winning. And we did the impossible. We flipped a seat that had not had a Democrat in 40 years. And it's because we had a message that brought people together. And it showed folks that, um, that you know we're, we're better than, than, um, than the, the politicians that were up there. And so after 2020, you know, uh, I lost my election, like a lot of other Democrats nationwide, and I started thinking about how I can best continue to serve the state that I love. And I thought about running for my old again, but the fact is, while we're trying to get through this pandemic, I saw all the chaos coming out of Columbia. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and you look at what this governor is focused on, uh, signing an open carry bill, you know, uh, strapping people with, with... with guns on their heads so when we have an all-time high murder rate, um, you know all of the bills coming out of there. And I, I, I realized that the need was was right here in South Carolina. It was in Columbia, and the quickest way to turn things around uh, was through the governor's mansion.
0: You have said previously that um, Henry McMaster has wanted this job his entire life—the job to become governor. So, what is your perspective? on the fact that perhaps this is something he's always wanted to do and has done.
1: Governor master has, has been in, you know, public office longer than I've been alive. And I don't think it's any secret that he's wanted this job, um, his whole life. But the, the fact remains, you have to put in the work and once elected, you have to actually do the job. And hey, you look at where our state is right now. And we've got a lot of areas of improvement. Um, you know, take for instance, COVID, this pandemic, um, you know we're at a vaccination rate that's like under forty percent, and he's provided no incentives uh, to encourage people to receive the vaccine. Like, unlike other states have done that have enjoyed a higher vaccination rate. And the fact is, we could have you know had our schools and businesses open if we would taken this serious from the start. And you can talk about healthcare. You know how, how low we are in the list with healthcare, and, and how he refuses to expand Medicaid. Uh, even though it's it's a great economic incentive for our state, that's that's going to save overall hospitals. It's going to create forty thousand new jobs. It's going to inject billions of dollars into our economy. And here's the deal. Here's the here's the plain and simple it Carolyn. You know the the federal government is going to pay for ninety five percent of that. And that deal is like saying if you give me a nickel, I'll turn around and give you a dollar. Anybody would take that deal, but. You know, this governor is playing politics with it, and I just think we're better than that. I think, the you know, the problems that we face here in our state, you know, they're not because of our people. Uh, they're because of our politicians.
0: Do you believe Governor McMaster has done anything that's commendable? Has he had any success as governor?
1: Look, uh, I, I've, um, when I was in Congress, I worked with Governor McMaster uh, opposing offshore drilling. He showed up at uh, one of my press conferences when I got my, bill through the US House and bipartisan support. So yeah, I, I, I've always commended him for, for that. And I've probably been a different type of politician when I haven't been afraid to commend somebody for work that they're doing right. But seeing all the chaos that's coming out of Columbia the last several months and knowing where South Carolina is and education and in healthcare, it, it's, it's created an obvious need for new leadership.
0: Do you think there's a single issue adversely affecting most South Carolinians?
1: Absolutely, I think, you know, education and healthcare. You know, in order to be productive members of society, people need to be educated, people need to be healthy. And, you know, you look at where we are in the list, nationwide, and and, and we're, we're at the bottom of both of those. And and those two issues spawn off and impact everything else. You know, uh, up here in the upstate, we're, we're um, you know, the automotive, automotive industry is has a heavy presence. And when companies, whether it be, you know, BMW or whether it be Boeing down low country, these companies are looking to invest in states and create jobs, good-paying jobs. The number one thing they look for is an educated workforce. And, you know, so we don't have a solid education system, um, you know, that, that lifts people up. It's gonna have disastrous economic impacts for our state. And so, you know, our goal is is to make, you know, South Carolina should be leading on these issues. We should be at the top.
0: How do you intend to keep teachers in the classroom? What incentive do you anticipate offering them to get them back in or to inspire a new group of teachers? Well, money is a great incentive, Carolyn. <laughs> it's, uh,
1: they need to be paid more. We have to give our teachers a raise. Um, my oldest brother uh, teaches special at a public high school, and you know he leaves his school and he goes and works in a grocery store, and then he bartends on the weekends. And the fact is, like his story is not uncommon at all. Our teachers, you know, they they tutor, they they drive buses, and they coach, and they work second and third jobs, and and he, and then after all that, they still come out of pocket for school supplies. Um, you know, as, as one out of seven teachers have left the profession because we don't, you know, we don't give them the respect that they deserve. And certainly this governor does not give them the respect they deserve and paying them more is critical. And I know this governor will say, well, you know, we don't have the money for it. But the fact is, Carolyn, when it's a priority for you, you find the money to do it.
0: Can you tell me more about what you intend to do, what your goals are to work toward reducing crime in South Carolina?
1: Yeah, uh, thank, thanks for asking that, Carolyn. I mean, th- these are common-sense measures to reduce gun violence. I mean, as you said, we, we're at an all-time uh, high of, of murders in South Carolina. And, and that's, in my mind, that's this governor's legacy. Um, you know, in, in the years he's been in office, that's, that's where we're at right now. And so my plan is, is threefold. Um, you know, we want to close the Charleston loophole, make sure that if a background check is started, It's finished. Give law enforcement the proper time to finish their background check. And, you know, 99% of these background checks go through within an hour or instantaneously. But, you know, there's a percentage that don't because of complicated histories. And that's what allowed Dylan Roof to get his gun and go into Mother Emanuel six years ago and murder nine people when all their heads were bowed in prayer. Closing that Charleston loophole is something that that I work uh, to do in the U.S. House, it got broad bipartisan support. And we're also fighting for universal background checks. And this is another common sense measure that's supported by 84% of Americans, including 77% of Republicans. Um, so this is, this is, again, but these things aren't getting done because you have politicians who are bought and sold by the NRA. And they're more beholden to special interest groups than they are to, the, to their constituents. And then lastly, the last part of that plan is calling for uh, fully funding a statewide violence intervention program, like the one that currently exists at MUSC. And these, you know, these programs would identify high risk victims of violence and their families uh, to prevent recidivism, uh, reduce retaliation, and just improve outcomes after violence by trained client advocates from the community. And, you know, what we're seeing is that these hospital and community-based programs, they can lead to life-changing and most importantly, life-saving strategies that will, undoubtedly lead to a decrease in our state's sky-high murder rate
0: what have people said to you about race relations as you've traveled these counties
1: i've heard a lot and you know this is something that i've been working on for years Um, i co-sponsor and helped pass the george Floyd justice and policing act which uh banned no-knock warrants which banned chokeholds and what what people are saying what's and what's backed by the evidence is that these practices disproportionately impact communities of color and African Americans Uh, we talk about uh, you know arrest rates in South Carolina our state is second in the rate of arrests for marijuana and these things are disproportionately impact African Americans you know if you're African American you're four times more likely to get arrested for marijuana than someone who's white and and so to acknowledge that these disparities exist and, uh, you know, that there are policies and practices that, you know, whether it be intended or unintended, disproportionately impact communities of color. And we're seeing all across the board, whether it be environmental justice, uh, whether it be our health care system, whether it be our education system, and to acknowledge these shortfalls.
0: Do you believe that marijuana should be legal in South Carolina?
1: I think it should be on the on the table. I think we should be having that discussion. When I speak to veterans who were sent to Iraq and Afghanistan, and you know, and they've had a limb blown off um, and had trouble sleeping at night and had PTSD, and they tell me that the only way they can go to sleep at night is you know by using marijuana. We sent them over there to defend our freedoms, and and they don't have that right here. I, yeah, yeah, I think that I, I along with many other South Carolinians uh i think that they should have that right and so uh you know i know this governor the governor of the past even opposes medical marijuana which enjoys a high approval rating and doesn't think uh, a veteran should be or, or anyone else who has a disability should be able to have that right i think they should and so you know as they travel across the state we're gonna be talking to people more about ideas like this and shaping those into, into policy. We had our shared issues before COVID, before this pandemic. South Carolina had our issues of education, health healthcare, everything else. What this pandemic has done is, is brought all these to the surface for everyone to see and exasper- exasperated all these issues. And the question remains, as we get to the other side of this pandemic, what type of vision and leadership do we want? Do we want someone of the past, like Governor McMaster, or do we want a leader of the future? Because I, I want to go to work and fixing these issues to make sure this these things do not happen again.
0: I want to focus a little on who's in the race for South Carolina governor. Senator Mia McLeod makes history as the first Black woman to run for governor of South Carolina. How does her candidacy affect the race? I like Mia a lot, and uh, I applaud her getting
1: into the race. And I think it, you know, it, it breaks a barrier that, that should have been broken a long time ago and uh i'm excited she's in it. i'm excited to have a you know, spirited debate um got the next uh year or so and uh we're going to continue to kind of bring our message every single corner of this state I, you know the youngest of, of five brothers uh, and uh my mom is is still sane still has it together somehow after raising five unruly boys and and she was a small business owner i remember she started a a small publishing company from our own kitchen table and i remember you know the 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 fedex or ups truck would drive by our house and she would put a you know certain handkerchief out outside her house to let them know if they need to stop to to pick up books or not and sometimes they didn't stop and she'd send one of the boys out to run chase down that truck for her and um you know grew up in a very very rural area and had, uh, had great parents and, you know, and went to college at Charleston. And then later got my degree in ocean engineering, where I worked for a number of years as an ocean engineer before I going back to law school. And uh, was practicing construction law for a number of years before running for office back in 2018.
0: And now raising another boy.
1: Boone <laughs> is three. Um, you know, can you probably, you probably hear my smile over the phone. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I understand. Uh, He's three years old and
1: he's the, you know, he's, he's just the gas in my tank. He, he, he keeps me going, keeps me on my toes. Boone's been, you know, with me every step of the way throughout this this political journey. When we announced our run for Congress back in, uh, I guess, April 2017, uh, we woke up the next morning and that's the day they made it that ended found out she was pregnant. And so, uh, He's a constant reminder of the future generation and kind of what we're fighting for in this state and trying to bring people together trying to you know, Protect him and his his uh, friends in schools uh, Or in movie theaters or wherever they go that they can feel safe from gun violence and uh, you know, Looking out for his future education to make sure that, that all public schools offer a quality public education and Everybody has a fair shot at success no matter what zip code you're born into, um, and and making sure he you know he has access to, to proper healthcare. Uh, it, it's just a constant reminder of, of kind of why why I strap on my shoes every day.
0: Well, Joe Cunningham, I wish you the very best. I appreciate your time. I know your schedule is very tight as you are, certainly the globetrotter right now. But again, thank you for speaking with me, and be safe on the campaign trail.
1: Thanks so much, Carolyn. Have a great day.
0: For this episode of Let's Talk, Let's Talk is produced by David Dixon and Eric Johnson. I'm the host, Carolyn Murray. We welcome your comments and advice on our podcast, so please write a review and share the link with others. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk. Goodbye until the next time.